Get back in control with Off the Wagon, adventures in emotional eating, health, and weight loss. Each episode containing fork-sized mindset tweaks, perspective shifts, and lifestyle hacks to get you back on the wagon. Whether it's habit change, emotional eating, addictions, weight loss, willpower, or relationships, there's something here for you. So let's get on the wagon and get down the road to your goals with me, Christy R. Hall. Welcome to episode 14, where today we're talking about managing our emotions. We also want to talk about what kinds of emotions need managing and how to manage them. And so when we think about the kinds of emotions that need managing, it's likely not that we have too much joy or too much excitement in our lives. It's probably more the unpleasant emotions that in effect, hijack us and drive us into behaviors that we end up regretting. Those unpleasant behaviors are likely to be anger or anxiety or sadness. So let's talk about emotions in a general sort of way initially. Emotions are functional. Some are pleasant and some are not pleasant, but basically They are guides. They're there to inform us about what's going on in us and around us. And through them, they promote certain kinds of behaviors. And we talk about and hear about managing or controlling our emotions. And that's what everyone wants, to be in control of their emotions. But to be honest, our emotions aren't the problem. It's not that we want to manage our emotions, but really... We want to manage our behaviors that result from our emotions. We want to reduce our impulsivity. So really, when we talk about managing our emotions, we're really looking to manage the behavior that we have that's emotionally driven. Because we can't control what happens to us in the world. I mean, grief and loss, they happen. And anger and frustration happens. But we want to do something better with our resulting behaviors than eat cake or cookies or bread or chips. On the flip side, we don't want to work out for hours or run for miles to relieve the stress and anger and frustration of our jobs or our families or our situations. And basically, for most folks, when dealing with emotions, one of two things happen. They lash out at others, which can cause one set of problems, or they internalize the feelings, feeling badly because they feel bad and then feeling worse because they're having the feelings and can't or aren't doing anything about them. And then in an effort to get away from this swirling circle of unpleasant emotional hell, they shop or eat or literally go for a run. So today we're going to talk about ways of specifically addressing our thoughts and how we manage those and also our perceptions. So let's start with emotions. Generally, research has kind of boiled down our emotions to seven basic ones, fear, happiness, uh, sadness, surprise, disgust, anger, and contempt. And most of us, let's be honest, kind of boil it down even further to mad, sad, and happy. (laughs) 
But they've based these seven on research that shows that these seven distinct emotional states can be recognized on anyone's face cross-culturally. Keeping in mind that these aren't the only emotional states that people experience and that the other emotions are likely a combination of these base emotions. I like to think of them kind of like primary colors. You know, the primary colors are red, yellow, and blue, but when you start combining them in different ways, you get a whole new rainbow of colors. Regardless of the number of actual emotions we have, however, is the truth that they are functional. Not good, not bad. They may be pleasant and feel good or unpleasant and not feel good, but they're not good or bad. So let's take guilt as an example. When you think about the emotion guilt, I want you to ask yourself, what happens? Or rather, what sort of situations bring you guilt? What kinds of things need to happen for you to feel guilt? You may have to think back on times when you felt guilty and what was going on there or what happened in order to create and generate those feelings of guilt for you. You may have failed to meet expectations. You may have hurt somebody's feelings, something like that. Guilt, as like all emotions, is a functional emotion. It's designed to make you think twice before you do that behavior again. So the idea here is is that you'll think about it before you'll tell the fib or sneak out or buy the expensive purse or the PlayStation. Guilt is largely about, I shouldn't have done something. It's like you cross a moral line somewhere. You've internalized some sort of morality, and you violate that. And so the unpleasant feeling of guilt is there to remind you that that's bad. Don't do that again. Fear is about danger. There's some perception of danger, and when you're afraid, your body gets geared up to get you out of there. Your heart starts racing, your blood starts pounding, your muscles become tense and ready to move you towards escaping. So fear is also a functional emotion. It's there to alert you to danger. When you're afraid, you become very acutely aware of sights and sounds, and it's all about prepping you to get out of there. Anxiety is another very powerful emotion, and it's similar to fear, but it's not exactly the same. Fear is about imminent, immediate danger, like there's a bear lurking in the bushes and it may attack me. Or there's a sketchy person there lurking in the shadows. Do they want to harm me? But anxiety is about the future. For example, you may have a very important presentation you need to deliver tomorrow and you haven't really prepared because you were just planning to wing it. But the more you think about it, the more you think, "Eh, it's probably not such a good idea. And so you find yourself waking up, thinking about it. And even though you're trying to go about your day normally, Your mind keeps taking you back to it, thinking about it. You create anxiety. And so that anxiety is there to alert you to the fact that you need to do something. Is it telling you that you should go eat a cheese pizza and watch TV to forget about it? No, it's telling you that you need to prepare. So now let's talk about anger because it's another emotion that often drives people to eat. Anger many times is directed at others for violating that same moral internal code that makes you feel guilty. 
In fact, in many ways, guilt is a flip side emotion of anger. We have expectations for public and private behavior that we expect people to maintain. And when they don't, we feel angry. Anger is a perception that somebody else has behaved badly or that they shouldn't have done what they did. But again, anger is a functional emotion and it's designed to get you fired up to defend yourself and your clan, right? Back when we were all cave people. It's about getting you to defend your rights and to right the wrongs. The problem with anger, or any unpleasant emotion really, is that it's created or manufactured by how we perceive the situation. So just an example, let's say that you've been planning a big camping trip with your family at the lake for months, and now that the weekend for the trip has gotten here, it's raining. Would you be angry? Angry at yourself for planning it for this weekend? Angry at the weatherman? Not likely, because you understand that the weather is less under control and less predictable than we make it out to be. So you're probably just disappointed instead. And you probably won't stay disappointed for very long, because left alone, emotions have their own lives and lifespans. They come and go, and if we don't do anything to hold on to them, they leave on their own, just like you get up, and go do something else. The unfortunate thing is that when we don't let our emotions go, when we meddle in their lives by telling stories to others, by replaying the events over and over and over again, they continue to live. So you keep replaying that sad moment and you stay sad. You keep telling everyone how angry you are and you keep activating that anger in you, and so you stay angry. And some emotions can create a degree of impulsivity, and that tends to cloud our perceptions of the moment. The unpleasantness of the emotion tends to create kind of a tunnel vision effect where all we can see is what they did to us, or how they treated us wrong, or how we let ourselves, or someone who's important to us, down. We lose all track of all the other details. We tell ourselves this is because what we're focused on is the only part that matters. But this is untrue. Because the uncomfortable feelings have made us focus on what we believe to be the root cause, to the exclusion of everything else. We become self-righteous, feeling better than the person who upset us. Unfortunately, the self-righteousness cuts us off from empathy, because it's really hard to see the situation, event, or thing from another person's perspective when you're angry at them. So let me give you an example of how this works. Let's say you're driving your car down the road, minding your own business, listening to the radio, and things are going fine. And then out of nowhere, somebody cuts you off. They drive right in front of you. They merge without signaling and you're taken completely unawares, and you swerve and slam on the brakes, and your heart's racing, and basically you're okay, but that's when the anger starts. And you think, I can't believe this happened, and that guy almost killed me, and this guy's crazy, and he's an inconsiderate jerk and a homicidal maniac, and look what he just did. And I wish there was a police officer nearby to see and arrest this guy. 
But my question for you is this. Have you ever cut somebody off in traffic? Of course. So the next question is, why did you do it? Did you do it because you're crazy? Did you do it because you're an inconsiderate jerk? A homicidal maniac? More likely, it was unintentional. You didn't realize how close they were or how tight the space was, or you may have signaled and they didn't move to let you in, perhaps because they were thinking about something else, and so you forced your way in. And so we all offer some sort of rationalization for our behavior, not because we're bad people or because we don't care about humanity or because we're self-centered jerks. We make mistakes. The problem is, is that we assume that the other guy did it intentionally, on purpose, when there's really no reason to believe that. No reason to believe that that guy is any different than we are. And so we look at this situation, we got cut off and that event sparked fear in us and that fear and vulnerability spun off a secondary emotion, anger. So here's another example. Let's say you have a plan for lunch today with your friend and there you sit and she doesn't show. And your first reaction may be to worry that maybe something happened to her. But then you start to feel hurt and you think, we made this plan last week. How could she not remember? Maybe she doesn't value your friendship. Maybe she's more important to you than you are to her. And then you get angry. How dare she do that to me? Friends don't behave that way. I'm important. I'm significant. And here again, anger is preceded by some other more vulnerable emotion that's based on these assumptions and this inner dialogue we have with ourselves. And that the other person knows what they are doing to you and is doing so intentionally. And this is where our minds and emotions can conspire against us and hijack us to create problems. So how do we manage this? Well, there are a couple of things that seem to be really helpful here. The first is to understand that emotions are not good or bad. They are simply guides and signals to our experience. The second is to recognize that our emotions are fundamentally separate from our behaviors. So let's say you're angry with your friend for missing your lunch date and you stop answering her texts and you ignore her on Facebook and you start bad-mouthing her to your mutual friends, or you start eating cookies to feel better. The thing is is that we can have an emotion, but it doesn't mean we have to act on it. It doesn't mean we have to eat cookies, or watch TV to try and get away from it, or take drugs or drink alcohol to get away from our emotional state, because doing those things creates a bigger problem for us later. We need to be able to acknowledge our own emotional states, And this is the tricky part. As humans, we have the capability to weigh out the pros and cons of our behaviors. We have the ability to self-reflect. And that's the ability to notice, hey, I'm angry, or I'm sad, or I'm about to lose it here. Most other creatures on the planet can't do that. But it's a relatively new feature for us humans, and so we don't always use it. Our ability 
to check in with ourselves and reflect on our experiences is critical for managing our emotions. I want to give you an example of this. A couple of years ago, I was traveling with my husband and we had some largish luggage that we had to check. While we waited at the terminal, behind the scenes, they swapped planes on us. Unfortunately, our luggage was put on the original plane while we were put on a different plane. Needless to say, we got to our destination. We had no luggage. What were we? At first, concerned, then anxious, then angry, then very angry. And it's not as if we were alone. There were other folks that this happened to on the flight. And so now we're standing in line at the baggage claim office and everyone is angry. And the poor customer service representative is getting yelled at by each passenger. And when it was our turn, I got to be honest, my husband unleashed on this guy. He was so upset, he couldn't think straight. But what happened next is what's interesting. They didn't tell my husband to calm down. They didn't tell him to be patient or take a chill pill. Didn't ask him to leave the office. In fact, they didn't even apologize and say they would find our bags. Instead, he said, I know you're angry and you have every right to be. We lost your bags and that shouldn't have happened. This is a horrible inconvenience to you. When I fly on other airlines and they lose my baggage, it infuriates me. You have every right to be upset. What did he do? He identified the emotion, which drew my husband's attention to it. In that moment, his brain goes, yeah, I am angry. But then he no longer has to defend and justify the anger. The anger settles into the background and there's a shift. And when that shift happens, it created calm. And so together, we were able to move into a place where solutions could be made. It's like when we acknowledge our own experience. It's like holding up a mirror where we can see what's happening to us. And from this place of calm, we can see that we have choices and options. And then we get to choose the behavior we do next. Do we call our friend to see if we can reschedule? Or do we eat cake? Do we try to understand that the guy in the Beamer may have been having a really rough day? Or do we eat 20 chocolate bars? It's about choice and options and what we really want to do here. And this is where we want to be with our emotions. It's not about running from them or hiding. It's about acknowledging them. And you can do this for yourself. All it takes is this piece where you stop. And you say, and you see, you know, this is what's going on for you, Christy. And you can say this to yourself, although you probably shouldn't call yourself Christy because that's probably not your name. But using a second or third person pronoun seems to help. You want to talk to yourself as if you are someone outside of yourself. It helps to kick off this part of the brain where you can then see and say, yeah, this is what's happening. And that puts you back in control. And I'm not saying it's easy to do because when you're in the moment and you're angry or sad or feeling any sort of emotion, again, those emotions hijack you and they take over. But the critical step is to be able to pop out of that and look at it by looking in the mirror, in effect, 
and saying, hey, this is what you're doing right now. This is what your emotional state is right now. Validating and identifying your emotions. So your mission today, should you choose to accept it, is tomorrow morning or tonight, depending on when you take your next shower, is to take a cold shower. Now, <laughs> I, I don't mean to take a whole cold shower. What I mean is, is in the last minute or so before you get out, I want you to turn the water completely cold just for a few seconds. And I'll be honest, right? This is the very last thing you're going to want to do. It's going to be really difficult. And every fiber of your being is going to be telling you, you are crazy. This is crazy. Christy is crazy. She's insane. You're going to be thinking, I'm warm and comfortable. Why would I want to turn the water cold? And it's an experiment. Yes, this is an unpleasant thing. But it's a good thing. It proves the point that you can have an emotion and still choose your behavior. Because you're going to try and talk yourself out of it. You'll say, maybe tomorrow. I'll try it then. You're going to whine and feel pitiful about it. I don't want to. When those thoughts and feelings come up, I want you to talk to yourself. This isn't about giving yourself a pep talk. No, you can do it. Or just be brave. It's only a few seconds. Because that doesn't validate your experience. You're not trying to cheerlead yourself or anything like that. You want to be blunt. You want to be perfectly honest. You want to say, yeah, this is gonna suck. Acknowledge where you are. You're gonna be cold. It's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna suck. And this really does help if you talk out loud to yourself. Right? Hearing it come into your ears instead of just in your head. But the thing is, is that when you acknowledge your feelings and your experience, the resistance to turning the water to cold lessens. This does work, and it's a perfect illustration of how to manage an emotion by acknowledging your present situation. And then, boom, you've popped out of the emotion. You're now here, and you have freedom to move again. It's an example of how this works. You're getting yourself to do something like coloring in an adult coloring book or going for a walk instead of eating. Despite your emotional resistance and your emotional drive, which tells you, I'm upset, go eat. I hope that makes sense. Next week, I want to dive into this topic a little bit more and go over another way to help you manage your emotions. I'm planning to do, you know, a series on this. Um, so definitely hang with me and tune in next week. If you have any questions or concerns or just want to talk to me about how you can pop out of your emotions and manage them better, make sure to reach out to me either on Facebook or at my website, www.christyrhall.com. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you again next week.